Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wool on us. Fighting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. In the past few weeks, there has been an awful lot of talk about Congress voting to roll back some privacy policy rules that were set in place by the previous FCC concerning Internet access providers. The rules were actually fairly simple rules, I think, just making sure that you could opt out of certain uses of your data. And for some of the most egregious uh, data collection uh, practices, it required users to uh, have an opt-in set up. Now, this came about following example after example after example of fairly awful behavior by ISPs with respect to their customers' privacy, for which the giant companies like Verizon and AT&T have been fined repeatedly. Uh, with those privacy policies being thrown out by Congress, uh, some people have said that it was no big deal because if people wanted to, they could just use a VPN, while others who agreed that it was a big deal, um, they would then still say uh, and still push the idea that everyone needed to start using a VPN on their home connections right away in order to hide their browsing data from their service provider. Now, let me say up front, this is generally bad advice. <laughs> uh, and I'm someone who, who uses a VPN, but I use a VPN for a very specific purpose. Uh, and uh, as an always-on security tool for your home connection, it's not going to help you very much, and in fact, may be worse than doing nothing at all. Uh, for me, the main use case is when I'm on an open Wi-Fi connection, say at a coffee shop or in a hotel where the security threat is mainly other people on the network. Uh, I don't have that as a threat at home, or at least I hope not. Uh, but people who say just use a VPN don't recognize that they're really just shifting the problem upstream. Uh, sure, a VPN on your home network may hide some of your internet surfing activity from your provider, but you're handing it to the VPN provider, who may very well be a sketchy or untrustworthy player, and to whatever ISP that they happen to be using. There are a bunch of other problems as well. And again, uh, by way of disclosure, I should say that TechDirt has a sponsorship partnership with a particular VPN service, but I'm guessing since most of this podcast is going to be trashing VPNs, they won't necessarily be thrilled with what we're saying on this podcast anyway. So if you think I'm somehow biased, uh, this podcast probably goes against my own self-interest. But anyway, this week we have uh, on the podcast two security research, uh, two security researchers uh, to talk about why VPNs aren't the answer to everything uh, and may even be a serious problem in lots of cases. So first up, we've got Ken White, uh, who is the co-director of the Open Crypto Audit Project and recently completed a large-scale audit of OpenSSL. And since I know that many in our audience are familiar with a different Ken White, <laughs> the lawyer who runs the Popat blog, I'll note that this is not the same Ken White. <laughs> the, the lawyer only has one N in Ken, whereas this Ken has two. So, but welcome, Ken. Thanks. 
Uh, and we've also got Kevin Riggle, a security researcher who most recently ran the team of security researchers at Akamai. And he also recently put up a blog post with some quick and dirty VPN advice saying that if you're on residential broadband, you're probably better off not using any VPN at all. So welcome, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. And finally, we've got our usual co-host, uh, Dennis Yang, who needs no introduction, <laughs> because if you're listening to this, you probably know who he is already. So, Ken, I'm, I'm actually going to start with you, uh, since I know that you, like Kevin, have suggested that many people are better off not using VPNs, uh, which I think actually surprises many people who, you know, have been hearing about VPNs and, and have this idea that, you know, VPNs are important drilled into their heads. So uh, if you want to start by making the case against VPNs, go for it. Well, yeah, I'm not so sure it's a case against VPNs, although although people who follow me on Twitter know I've, I'm more than happy to rant about the <laughs> more <laughs> egregious uh, uh, you, you know providers out there. But I think I think it's a pretty uh, I, I mean I think there's a consensus in the community that <clears throat> that sort of you know recommending quote use a VPN always is is probably not wise advice because it miss, misses a lot of things, and one of the things that you know, we try to educate and, and sort of, you know, uh, drill into people's heads is that, what, you, you know, sort of what is the, you know, what, what's the point of what you're doing? Is, is, is this a privacy issue? Is it, are you trying to, to increase your anonymity online? Are you uh, worried about, you know, nation state threats? Is this, are you trying to, you know, help your cousin geo-shift, uh, you know, some BBC broadcast? Uh, or, you know, are you a dissident in Riyadh? I mean, these are these are very different, you know, scenarios. Um, and part of the thing is that, uh, you know, there's just the, the ad tech, modern ad tech is so aggressive and so real time and so not transparent that I think a lot of people in the security community will just say straight out that, you know, the, the modern ad networks and the sort of consumer web are as big a threat, to, you know, to your online uh, mm -hmm. safety as, as, as nearly anything. Uh, you know, there's been all these high-profile, uh, you know, cases with uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and, you know, uh, you know, major media outlets where their ad network, basically DNS, that had been, um, you know, delegated to, to some other provider, w was just hijacked. And they were, act you know, and, and so there's case after case of these major media properties where people were, getting malware and ransomware and really nasty stuff just by visiting, you know, uh, you know, reading a story or looking at their homepage. Right. And so, you know, th th there's the emphasis on that. Um, I, I was actually fairly closely involved with the Verizon AT&T, the super cookie, mm -hmm. uh, you know, big story a few years ago. Do, do you want to just, for, for people who don't know that story, yeah, what, what was that? Um, sure. just give sure. some background there? Sure. So, um, I, you know, there's this myth that there's a, modern cellular mobile infrastructure in the country, in the U.S. anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it turns out that there's, there is not a cell network. It's not like a, there's a Verizon network and an AT&T network and a T-Mobile. There are hundreds and hundreds of, you know, legacy crufted layers of layers of layers of acquisitions and things. I mean, you know, you still see... Um, uh, you know, carrier settings for, you know, singular and things like this that that exist in, you know, towns and, and, and neighborhoods and, and municipalities and things. And so, you know, there's this whole weird market of like basically white labeling 
the the underbelly, the plumbing of the cell network. And so for many, many years, there's been, uh, you know, sort of, a, it's a property of the way that these networks work that um, carriers can can add in information to data traffic. So mm -hmm. if you make a, a, a plain non-encrypted, you know, just a, a regular uh, unencrypted connection to a web page or, or your mobile app, uh, you, you know, is uh, consuming some web service or resources, um, carriers can sometimes for optimization and sometimes for, for intra-billing purposes themselves, inject these little, you know, small pieces of information. And, and historically, that had been done mainly for their own management side. But at some point a few years ago, uh, you know, the ad people and, 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 and the, you know, marketing industry sort of figured out, well, wait, we can actually, we can actually, you know, leverage these to, to put kind of cross-device tracking. So if we really wanted to target, and I've got some video clips that I, you know, I can share with your audience if you want, of, of like these major ad uh, industry conferences where they're like, this is great. So we can target a mom that's expecting or you know, a newborn, and, and, and when she goes from her mobile to her iPad to her home machine, you know, we, we're, we can uh, triangulate all these things with, you know, these what were otherwise management uh, you, you know, data, uh, you, you know, tags right. that, that are added in there. But, you know, I think a lot of people in the, you know, in the, in the consumer privacy space and, and certainly at the FTC, uh, once word got out, people were like, what, what do you, what's, what? And, and, and so, uh, you know, we started digging into it and yeah, you literally, you could make an old school, like tell, tell that debugging session to like, you know, NetBSD.org or some organization, you know, that like there is, there's definitely going to be like a non-HTTPS, you know, presence. And, and, and literally you type five or six words, the basic, you know, mechanics of an HTTP session. And yep, suddenly there's these global unique identifiers that, uh, you know, you can turn your phone off, you can drive across town, you can get on a plane and fly across country. And that thing's tracking, you know, where, you know, the the, the same person right. uh, across geo boundaries. And it's like wow, um, and so you know, there's this big uh, kind of you know backlash to that. Fast forwarding several years later, eventually they uh, AT and T was fined. I think like 1.3 million dollars, which you know for AT and T that's not even a rounding error of a rounding right. error. Um, but there was sort of this you know consent decree that said, okay, well we'll you know, we'll, we'll try to do this less often. This was a pilot project, um, but it took, a, it took a while. I mean, the first, you know, six months to a year that these stories broke, there were all these kind of just not good looks for the, you know, for the, <laughs> for, for the PR teams from these companies. Right. It was like, well, people knew what they were getting and you can always opt out, but you know, you'd go to the opt out page and then it wouldn't work or it'd redirect you to these other, and it was just like, so, yeah, it just I mean, wasn't. I'm, Ken, I'm curious, do you think the consumer overall, like, everyday consumer actually cares that they're being tracked so much or do they even know? I mean, it's, is that, is I, that I think issue? a lot yeah. don't, um, but I think there was a, you, you know, there was quite, uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion between, you know, sort of the potential for ad tracking. Right. But there was another element to this too, which is this wasn't just on AT&T and Verizon's sort of internal systems that mm -hmm. only they could use. That was the problem. These things were being broadcast to every single site and or mobile app, you know, web right. service endpoint you were visiting. And so, you know, uh, those could be correlated. And in fact, there was a third party that at one point 
did that correlation, and it's not clear, I don't remember all the details, but I don't think they actually had authorization from Verizon to do that. But it, you know, it, it was essentially driving down the highway and somebody added a billboard to the top of your car and you didn't know it. Um, <laughs> so that was the, you know, that was one of the big concerns. That's a good analogy. Um, Kevin, I, I want to bring you in here uh, and, and make sure you have, you have a chance to talk on, on this. I know, so you wrote this blog post, basically, you described as quick and dirty advice. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of VPNs, and, and you don't necessarily need to repeat the whole thing, but if you want to give the basic premise, which you know I mentioned in the intro was sort of, you know, if you're on your home broadband connection, you know, a VPN is probably not the right solution for you. Um, you if you could just give like a quick summary for our audience of, of why. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, an, it's an honor to be on this podcast with Ken because his research was actually one of my inspirations for, and one of the things that fed into this blog post oh, uh, nice. that I put together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, part of the reason that you, uh, you know, probably, like, my, my recommendation is sort of like most people on residential broadband don't need to run a VPN. And if you do, then there's a recommendation of a particular service provider in uh, the mm-hmm. blog post. But uh, the reason that like you probably don't want to run a VPN on residential broadband is that uh, sort of the median VPN are somewhere between incompetent and actively <laughs> malicious. Right. Uh, Ken has this this uh, post up on GIST of uh, like the top five. You know, you go to one of these VPN review sites or. And they'll give you a list of like you know top five VPNs, and like all five of them show up in Ken's list of providers who have unsafe default credential or who offer unsafe configurations. See, uh, I think that's being charitable. What I would say is <laughs> grossly incompetent security postures. Um, and, and what I get a lot from people when they see some of those are they're like, okay, well, yeah, you know, maybe for some of their their Android you know clients or or whatever, you know, that's not good. But I can get the you know good settings or I can do the right, right things and my response to that is fine but for several years these major providers that are bringing in tens of millions of dollars are ignoring are actively ignoring the safety of a significant number of their users and even if you put that aside the the, the business practices of some of these um, places are just I mean, it's a cesspool. It, it, it really <laughs> is, and and it's just blatant. I mean, you, you know, even like high, you know, so, sort of. I don't know. If, well, well, you know, sites that are probably considered really mainstream, incredible, and I guarantee a lot of CIOs sort of, you know, base decisions on different things they see, having like little fine print at the bottom of the, you know, the editor's choice award saying, not only are these guys sponsors, but this is literally an affiliate link. When you click on our, our best, you know, in show, uh, it goes and we get, you know, pay for that. But it doesn't really affect our editorial opinion. And I actually believe it probably doesn't affect the, you know, independent writers in many cases. But right. what it does do is it's more subtle, which is, okay, so they'll do this thing and, and they evaluate a virtual private network security product without ever actually looking at the security. So the reviews are all like, oh, the app is super easy to use. It's two clicks. You're there. Their their websites were friendly. You know, on their on their management page and their about page, they've got a cool picture of a dog, and they take Bitcoin, (laughs) and they promise they don't log, and they're really you know nice. It's like all that stuff is fine. And yes, I I'm with you. Good UX is important, but if they don't get the easy stuff right, how on earth do you think they're going to do 
you know, the important stuff right. And, and you know, there's this, uh, this, this uh, research floating around, I think it was from like two or three months ago that it came out, on the Android VPN mm -hmm. app space. Like 18, 19% of Android VPN apps don't even encrypt. And there was like <laughs> half of them, or 60% or something, in this one particular survey that either had active malware or, uh, I forget the abbreviation, but it's like unwanted programs, but it's basically, you know, crapware. Um, and, and, and it's like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's the baseline? So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's so many problems. <laughs> that's, that's kind of in incredible. Um, and so, I mean, and, and what, I mean, I sort of mentioned in the intro that this possibility that, you know, effectively, if you're, you know, if you're using a VPN to hide from your ISP, you're really just shifting the problem upstream to the VPN because they're getting access to all that, that information. But, you know, if they're doing other things, like what kinds of security things are they doing that that's not even meeting that base level? Well, so let's, like from an industry perspective, so so one of the stories I love to talk about is, I, I don't know if it's pronounced uh, Hoya or Hoya, but so this was a, a free VPN app, and in general, don't just walk, run away as fast <laughs> as you can from VPN apps that are free, because what Hoya was doing was, you know, was happily connecting you to a mesh bot network. And so, mm -hmm. sure, you'd get some cheap VPS in, you know, whatever the East Coast or maybe the UK or whatever, you know, if, <laughs> but... But then, you know, you're also, you know, you're, you're routing traffic for, you know, who knows, uh, you know, what kind of miscreants are, are out there. So that's, that's like the more egregious ones. But the other ones are, you know, people forget sometimes that, that you know, complicated reverse proxies and, and proper, uh, you know, global networking, that's, it's, it's, it's actually fairly hard. And so there's a whole, like, graveyard of just atrocities uh, of experiences where people had like dual homed uh, by mistake, uh, you know, the, the internal interface for these things. So, so you would go online maybe to, you know, because you're at a hotel or something to like, you know, be a little bit, feel better about your online banking or whatever. But actually, you know, sketchy Tony over here, he's got access to your home's internal network now. Mm -hmm. You don't even know who this person is, but like whoever happened to be on that node had full visibility inside your internal network. What? <laughs> like, like how you know? So yeah, it, it, there's there's a there's a there's a industry wide problem with with trust and basic confidence. So so uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, that raises a few questions, and one is is you know, is anyone doing anything to sort of clean that up? I mean, it seems like that's an opportunity to at least have some sort of process. I don't know if it's an audit process or something to actually review what these different services are doing. Is, is anyone sort of taking that on? See, here's the problem when, you know, there's a lot of cliches about um, uh, crypto, which is, you know, there, there are objective measures of, you know, uh, security guarantees and things like that. But, but, but really, when you choose to outsource to a service provider, you, you don't have that. You, you've, the best you can do is sort of a collection of trust signals, right? I mean, so if they use sketchy marketing words like, you know, military grade or NSA proof or hacker proof. <laughs> Maybe that's like overzealous, you know, product people, but probably it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty good signal that there's, you know, that, that there's not either, that they're either really naive or that they're like actively not honest with, <laughs> with people. And then there's also sort of what I call sort of the, the, the overemphasis on tech. You're mm -hmm. not better off because you've got AES 256 and they take 
and they claim they take Bitcoin if the basic configuration lets anyone in, right? I mean, so, so like, it, it, it's sort of the worst of both worlds. It's like bad business practices and uh, bad technical posture. The more promising things I'm seeing are, you know, there are a couple of, uh, of increasingly, you know, more visible and, and high-profile um, uh, providers that have brought in third-party independent review, like, like truly credible, well-known security firms to, to go through and, and, and look at their apps, look at their engineering, look at their global networks, look at their authentication, look at their just even, you know, their, their public-facing sort of, you know, corporate web page to see if there's, like, egregious, <laughs> you know, right. problems there. And, and so I think over the next few months, some of those are going to be coming out. But, but really, no. I mean, the, you know, there is a spreadsheet floating around, and the, the guy behind it, the, you know, who's a real strong privacy advocate, has put a tremendous amount of work in it. But at best, it's self-report. I mean, it's, I tell people it's like going to some, you know, bazaar in Central Asia and asking a bunch of opium dealers, like, are they honest? And, you know, shockingly, <laughs> all of them say yes. Right. You know, and, but there's just no way to really verify that. And even so, so the best you can do is kind of take a proxy of a more trusted third party. But really, if, if their business practices focus on, you know, n not logging and focus on, you know, and emphasize things like, well, you can download all the illegal torrents you want and we won't give you up. Like, you know, maybe maybe that's not the best uh, <laughs> uh, right. organization to, to, like, trust your, your banking or your, you know, your other things. Like, no, that's not good. So what a lot of people have done is that I just give up. It's not worth it. I can't really know, so I'm just going to self-host. That's not really an option if you're not fairly technical, but there are some really good projects that are actively curated, <clears throat> really good, strong security defaults, you know, top caliber teams, like people from Signal and from some of the best mobile security firms in the, in the world that have put some of these up. And, so, you know, their work's in progress. I've, I've helped in a tiny way, you know, on one of them, but this is the, the Algo VPN project in, in Streisand. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are, those are fantastic projects, but... But again, it's like, what are you, you know, what, what are you trying to prevent? Because if, if, if you're specifically targeted by, you know, uh, you know, a well-funded nation state, eh, that, you, right. you know, th this is this is not even a road bump in that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I, I mean, I think that all gets back to I mean, it's the, the same thing that that people always ask, which is kind of like, what is the the threat that you're you're dealing with here? And in different cases, it's different things. And so, I mean, if we're specifically talking about you know, your own ISP, um, you know, making use of your data, that's different, obviously, than, you know, nation states trying to, to get to get your stuff, which, you know, then you're going to do a whole, you know, a whole variety of different things. But if you are in that situation where you don't want your ISP, if you happen to be stuck with one that, that, you know, has a history of bad behavior, what kinds of things should people be looking at then? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of selfish, so I look at it from my perspective. My my needs are when I'm traveling and I'm on a you know plane Wi-Fi or a hotel Wi-Fi or a you know public network, and you know uh, I, I'm not worried about uh, you know Langley, <laughs> uh, you know, but but I'm worried about you know badly configured websites that don't have uh, you, you know uh, that maybe are HTTPS, but maybe they're poorly configured, and so you know, data is leaking, or worse, I'm on a local network, and, you know, you know, Bob, you know, two rooms over has got, you know, the world's malware lab uh, that he's actually picked up from all the free, you know, screensaver websites or whatever, and they're, you know, hitting <laughs> my my machine. So, 
uh, you know, it, that my model's a little different. I want, I want always on on the mobile profile, you know, when it's active. I don't want it sort of, you know, if there's a hiccup, I don't want it to drop. Um, mm -hmm. I, one of the nice things about Algo is it, it, you can do a DNS resolver and an add. It's basically just a, a yes in the setup. And, you know, ad blocks are, are done centrally. And, so. and, and for people who don't know, so Algo is, it's basically you install that on, on a cloud server somewhere, right? It's a, it's a fairly easy to set up, but still requires some technical knowledge. And you would need an account on like, you know, uh, you know, Amazon or DigitalOcean Digital or something, or, right. or something and like that. And exactly. You could and they do and have it. There is a self-hosted uh, option as well if you're a Debian mm -hmm. or Ubuntu, um, you know, techie. Um, but but yeah, I mean it is a work in progress. But the but the you know the folks from uh, Trail of Bits have done a, a, a great job. But yeah, for so for five dollars a month on a DigitalOcean, you know, really tiny uh, VM, you can sign up in ten minutes and you know and then bring this down and you know assuming you're you can get it up and going, then it, it just works. And they have mobile profiles, so it's like one click, and it's on your phone, uh, one click, and it's you know you, the whole profile is installed on your you know, on your PC or Mac and stuff. And the basis, you know, the, the defaults are, are sane. Um, that's, you know, that that's a really good thing. But but back to your original question about, you know, what are you trying to prevent? I was on a, I think it was a Southwest flight like a year and a half ago, and I was getting ready for a talk I was giving, and I wanted to do a, a, a quick research to see sort of, you know, what some current things people were doing with proxies or things to do man-in-the-middle research. And so I Googled man-in-the-middle, and I saw a really interesting kind of, you know, fairly deep dive from um, uh, Vericode, who's got a you know really good reputation in the security world. So I clicked on it, and I'm reading an article about man-in-the-middle attacks. And at the top of my phone, it says your estimated arrival time, uh, you know, on Southwest Airlines is like you know 65 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, I'm reading an article about man-in-the-middle, and I, they've just man-in-the-middle like an HTTP header into the web page I'm looking at. This yeah. is crazy. So that you know, that's my threat. It's it's much less, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, <laughs> you know, exotic, but that's, you know, that's it. Yeah. Kevin, I, I know in, in your article, you did have some suggestions as well. Um, do you want to share kind of what you were suggesting for people to do? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I ran Algo for a while on my own uh, private server. And uh, the really relevant bit for me uh, is that if you run it yourself, then you get to keep all the pieces when it breaks. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, eventually uh, I got tired of being uh, on call for it, uh, even though it was just me using it. Uh, and so I, the, I spent, I uh, looked at four different VPN providers um, and spent, you know, several hours with each reading through their terms of service and privacy policy and looking at the technical choices that they talked about on their website. Uh, and the only one which... Uh, really convinced me. So my background, uh, when I was at Akamai, I was uh, in the information security department, and Akamai is a content distribution network, and CDNs have a lot of the same sort of security concerns as uh, as VPNs do. And so I kind of know what, like, I had in my head, like, okay, if I could find a VPN provider who were doing some of the same things that we were doing at, at Akamai, you know, who, mm. who I... Uh, uh, you know, I s sort of had an idea in my head of what doing a good job of this would look like. And right. um, Cloak were the ones, only ones who really convinced me that I was going to be um, at least as safe with them as I would be if I was running uh, 
running my own thing on my own VPS. And more relevantly than they have someone who's on pager duty, so I don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Cloak is relatively new, right? Fairly new, yeah. Um, I don't have a sense of how long they've been around for, but they're not one of the established players who has a whole lot of name recognition, I think. Yeah, and par- I think part of that is because they don't play the SEO game. They, oh, one of the yeah. things I, I, I've told this to a few people and their, their eyes kind of bug out, but this is <laughs> verifiable. So the, the VPN market is so kind of, it's, it's such a, you know, it's such a high, uh, you know, high traffic search term that best VPN, that phrase, that's a seven-figure AdWords buy. Um, so, I wow. mean, there, there, there wow. is real money behind this. And there's all, you know, the affiliate fees and things like that. I mean, you know, people talk about these fake click bots and the stuff with, you know, the, the major media, you know, the New York Times or whatever that they, they're trying to fight or, you know, other ad networks and things. But, but that's, you know, they're, they're targeting some of that stuff too. So uh, I know that their app has been around for at least three years, but... But yeah, no. I, so I, I definitely second, uh, you know, Kevin's observation there. And the core team, are, you know, are several Microsoft veterans that, you know, really have deep chops. And to me, one of the most interesting things about what Cloak was saying is what their anti-features were. Like, you know, yes. we're not going to BS you about. Of course, we're going to log you. We have to, and you know, we need to do that to do, you know, to, to meet our own terms of service, you know, with our providers. And if somebody's well, abusive, you know, how, how do we, how do we find that? Well, and to meet their legal obligations, you know, they're a U.S. company, and that means that when the FBI comes and serves them with a subpoena, they need to, you know, they need to respond appropriately to that. Right. And um, so they'll act, they actually tell you, you know, this is exactly the data that we keep, you know, these are the fields uh, that we keep, here is how long we keep them for, because um, that was one of the things that we uh, dealt with at Akamai was, you know, legal compliance when we would get sure. subpoenas. And... Uh, and so the easiest way for a company to uh, to not have to give information that they you know their customers would prefer them not to give is to not store it at all. Exactly. Right. But they need to store some of it in order to just provide the service. Um, and so being very careful to bound exactly what they keep and for how long they keep it and then communicate that well to yeah. the users was something that I really appreciated. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because I know it's like one of the things that people always ask is like, do, you know, do they log or not? And you have a lot of VPNs who advertise like no logs or something like that. And so, but you guys are saying that that's, I don't know how you run an operation at scale and mm-hmm. not have logs everywhere and, and are actually able to delete them even if you tried. Um, and, not get kicked out of your your ISP when somebody's you know s- spamming like mad. Uh, I just I just uh, you know and 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 it and it's never that alone. It seems like it always clusters with and we're in Switzerland and you can be totally <laughs> anonymous and you can be hacker proof and you know we don't right. log and you know we've got triple hops uh, you know that are triply connect triply encrypted you know this sort of stuff. It's like okay, I heard enough. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, you had a few other recommendations, Kevin, on your thing too, um, for people who, who didn't, who couldn't use Cloak or, or wouldn't use Cloak, right? Yeah. So Cloak is right now it's Mac and iOS only. They've got Windows right. and Android in the pipeline, but um, so I didn't get. I got a fairly good. So the other service provider, VPN service provider, I recommended was TunnelBear. I don't. They're not as strong a recommendation as Cloak. I didn't. Uh, get the same kind of uh, 
didn't get quite the same kind of feel off their site, but mm -hmm. they didn't have any of the obvious red flags that so many of these other providers do. Uh, and then if you're looking for real anonymity, um, then you want to be using Tor, uh, which is... You know, with with lots heard, of caveats. With lots of caveats, yeah. <laughs> like, like, don't use Twitter, don't use Facebook, don't use Instagram. While you're on tour. <laughs> right, yes. right, and, exactly. And so I think, I mean, that, that's something that definitely comes up as well. Like, you know, these questions of, you know, under what circumstances should you be using a VPN versus what circumstances should you be using tour because they're, they're basically dealing with different kinds of issues and different kinds of threats, right? Yeah, exactly. There's a really important distinction to make between privacy, which is what you might be getting from a good VPN, mm -hmm. and anonymity, which is what Tor is trying to provide. Right. And the right, and one of the challenges is and, and there's there's no great answer for this is it's easy enough, quote unquote, to get, you know, a, a clean, known, not you know, <laughs> compromised laptop and put tails or something else on it, or, or you know, like have one, you know, one app that's using Tor. What's trickier is, uh, you know, but that's not the reality of most people. The reality of most people is they've got an internet connection, and they've got mobile, and they've got a tablet, or they got right. you know a, a notebook. And so if you you know if you're running Tor browser bundle in one window of an otherwise you know exposed operating system. And again, it depends on what you're trying to protect. If you're filing a story from, you know, a, you know, an oppressive regime, and you want to make sure that there's, you know, as limited metadata as possible, then it, that, that would make sense. But if you click on the Tor browser bundle, and you know, you've got basically a four-month, you know, unpatched version of Firefox with, you know, the, all the things that come with that, and then you start, you log on to five different social media sites that, you know, <laughs> all your pals are at, then you know, there's, you know, there, there, there are consequences to that. Tor isn't a substitute for good operational security. Absolutely, right. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, if you look at obviously, like you know, people who've been arrested for for doing things on Tor, it's often because it, you know, people make mistakes. Almost everyone seems to make mistakes, even people who Profes are professionals careful. make mistakes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody actually pointed out to me about the blog post. I said, you know, I. Uh, going to Ken's, you know, sort of trust signals, I said, you know, you want to avoid VPN providers who advertise, you know, uh, copyright circumvention or, you know, geo-blocking circumvention. Right. Uh, and somebody pointed out to me that that's great, but if you want to be using a VPN for everything, like, if you can't stream Netflix over it, you know, in, in the context of, like, trying to, you know, trying to keep a home residential broadband connection safe if you can't stream netflix over it it's pointless <laughs> right right and and you know i mean it raises other issues too and it's like like i, I get the same thing like as a, as a trust signal advertising the fact that you can break the law um, no matter what your stance on on copyright is and and you know i have pretty clear viewpoints on on copyright law and i think it's it's messed up but you know advertising uh, you know having a company that's advertising the fact that you can you know infringe on copyright um, raises some some questions about their instincts. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> the thing I the thing I said in my post was like, if your VPN provider is going to tolerate, uh, you know, law breaking or advertise law breaking on the, uh, on for for its users, then like it's probably going to you know break some laws itself. Right, but but then on the flip side, you have the argument where where it's like. You know, if you, it, it almost becomes sort of a net neutrality kind of argument, you know, when you have the question of, you know, 
you have a connection and you want to have a connection to the wider internet and you don't necessarily want your service provider sitting in the middle getting in the way of it. I mean, you know, right. Comcast got in trouble for, for, for um, you know, uh, throttling BitTorrent. Um, and so, you know, you do, there, there are some reasonable worries if you do have a company, you know, if it's a VPN company that's throttling BitTorrent or if, you know, on, on the flip side, obviously, if like Netflix is blocking the usage, then that's an issue. So I, I do, you know, I, I, I agree with you, like as a trust signal, one that's advert like actively advertising the fact that you can break the law seems like a, a bad thing. But, but you also, you know, I, I think there is something to the idea that, like you want a service provider that whose goal it is is to connect you to the wider open internet, um, rather than you know figuring out what it exactly it is that you're doing and telling you you can't do certain things, right? Yeah, and there's a practical element too. I mean, I, I'm not I'm no lawyer, but I assume that when I have a Netflix account in the U.S. and I'm traveling abroad, and no one's at home, I'm I don't know if like by the letter, but at least by the spirit, I think I'm probably okay to make the argument it's okay for me to VPN <laughs> back to my house and then watch something. But as a practical matter, that's even getting tricky because this is like a constant game of, of whack-a-mole, you know, the one with the, the hammer and the gophers that pop up, you know, the kids, okay? Because Netflix is, is blacklisting, uh, yeah. you know, entire, uh, you know, entire ranges of, of uh, DigitalOcean and, and Amazon and Google Compute Space. So, uh, you know, and, and now there's a whole nother sub-sub-sector of, the VPN space that's popped up, which is, you know, your own private reserved IP um, that's not blacklisted by, you know, <laughs> right. by, by Hulu or, or, or whatever. So like, yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> th th these are challenges at engineering trade-offs, right? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, sorry, Kevin. And, and this, uh, the, the multiple uses to which VPNs are put are one of the uh, justifications that these VPN providers have for, uh, you know, offering really insecure uh, options, because if you're, their argument goes that if, you know, all you're doing is watching Netflix, then you don't care how, uh, you know, then you don't care for using, a, you know, a widely shared, pre-shared key, uh, all you care is that your ISP isn't looking at it. Uh, right. But if you are, you know, if you are trying to keep yourself safe from, uh, you know, local law enforcement on public Wi-Fi or, you know, federal law enforcement, then you really do care. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think the, the, the sort of summary is that it's complicated. <laughs> um, and the idea that, that a VPN is going to be the solution for everything is, is clearly wrong. And, and often, in many cases, it can make certain situations worse. And, and, you know, people should understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish and what it is they're trying to do, and then look more carefully at the solutions and recognize that even then, the solutions probably aren't that simple. Um, and, and, and I think that that's how I'm going to summarize <laughs> this podcast and, and, and certainly look at, at what Ken has written and what Kevin has written and, and get a sense. And we'll put links in, in the post with this, with this uh, podcast when it goes up. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a simple solution is, is the best summary I've got. Um, and on that note, I know that, that you guys have to go and I have to go. So I appreciate uh, Kevin and Ken, you guys taking the time. I know you're both very busy and uh, joining us on the podcast and, and sharing some, some very useful knowledge f with everyone. I'm sure people appreciate it. 
And uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you guys back on because uh, I'm sure that security questions around these things are not going away anytime soon. Sounds good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, thanks. Thanks very right. much, Mike. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. To grab a shovel and think of the tap.